The following article from our Knowing and Doing Quarterly Journal is brought to you by the C.S. Lewis Institute. Our prayer is that this talk will help to deepen your faith and draw you closer to God. Is Spiritual Transformation Really Possible? by Dr. Tom Terrence. My answer to the above question is an emphatic yes. Let me briefly tell you a story that illustrates why. In June of this year, I retired as Vice President of the C.S. Lewis Institute and Director of the Washington Area C.S. Lewis Fellows Program, a role I had filled for nine years. Prior to that, I had served for 12 years as President. Before coming to the Institute, I was co-pastor of an interracial church and, even earlier, was in campus ministry. That profile sounds normal enough. But here's the back story. I was a white teenager in the Deep South who came of age in the early 1960s, just as the Civil Rights Movement was gathering momentum. Society was in turmoil as the federal government implemented court-ordered desegregation plans in the public schools. I became very angry about the changes in my high school and began to read racist, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories in literature that was being circulated on campus. Soon, I met those who were distributing the material. This led to a process of indoctrination into far-right ideology that would eventually have tragic consequences for me and others. My anger grew into hatred for black people, Jews, liberals, and communists, people I saw as enemies of God, America, and the Southern way of life. By my early 20s, my hatred had led me to become involved with the most violent right-wing terrorist organization in America at the time, Mississippi's White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. One night, an accomplice and I were ambushed by a police SWAT team as we attempted to bomb the home of a Jewish businessman. My accomplice was killed, and I was so badly wounded that doctors gave me only 45 minutes to live. Miraculously, I survived my injuries and was later tried and sentenced to 30 years in prison. But I had learned nothing from my experiences. About six months after entering prison, I escaped with two other inmates, intending to resume my activities. But a couple of days later, another SWAT team found me and my accomplices one of which was killed in the barrage of gunfire. Had the man who was killed not relieved me early from lookout duty, I would have been the one who died. Back in prison, I was confined to a six-by-nine-foot cell in the maximum security unit. To escape the boredom of being locked up alone 24 hours a day, I began to read almost continuously. At first... It was racist, anti-Semitic books, which reinforced my extremist beliefs. Then, unexpectedly, my interest shifted to classical philosophy, Plato, Aristotle, and the Stoics. This led to an intellectual awakening and a search for truth and self-understanding that eventually took me to the New Testament. 
Through reading the Gospels, I discovered the truth I was seeking in the person of Jesus Christ. I was particularly struck when I read, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Matthew 16, verse 26. Under conviction of my sins, I was brought to repentance and faith and trusted my life to Christ in wholehearted surrender. The next morning, I awoke with three strong desires in my heart, to read the Bible, to pray, and to live for God. As the Apostle Paul had said, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. These desires were characteristic of that change, and so was the love that replaced racial and ethnic hatred in my heart. Hours of daily Bible reading fed these changes and helped fuel the beginnings of spiritual transformation. It also stimulated the desire for a deeper understanding of the Christian faith and an interest in theology and apologetics. It was here that I first encountered the works of C.S. Lewis, books such as Mere Christianity, Miracles, The Problem of Pain, among others. The works of Lewis were formative in my thinking and would continue to be so for many years to come. Other writers also had a major impact on me. Lewis Burkhoff, Martin Lloyd-Jones, J.I. Packer, John Stott, Andrew Murray, Thomas Akempis, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, to name a few. Two years of extensive daily Bible reading and the study of Christian classics helped me develop a solid foundation in the faith. Fast-forwarding a bit, after serving eight years in prison, a near-miraculous set of circumstances opened the door for me to be released from prison to attend the University of Mississippi. At the age of 29, I was now eager to prepare myself to serve God in some way. I gave myself to my studies with diligence. I also became a part of a good church, where I could experience weekly worship, teaching, and fellowship. This helped accelerate my spiritual growth. Later, I moved to the Washington, D.C. area and eventually went to seminary, earning a master's degree and later a doctoral degree. Along the way, doors opened for me to serve God in campus ministry, then pastoral ministry, and finally at the C.S. Lewis Institute. It has been almost 50 years since I met Jesus in that prison cell. Over those years, God has been steadily working in my life, helping me to change, to become more like Jesus. It hasn't been quick, and it hasn't always been easy. There have been temptations, trials, and tribulations, some of which I overcame and others I failed. There have been ups and downs, twists and turns along the way, and there have been painful sorrows to endure. But, through it all, there have been many joys and blessings from God's generous hand. 
His grace has truly been sufficient for me, and He has patiently, lovingly kept calling me to come further up, come further in. I still have a long way to go, for it is a lifelong journey, but I'm thankful for the progress made thus far by God's grace. That is why I can say without hesitation that spiritual transformation is certainly possible. Not only is it possible, it is unquestionably God's agenda for each of His children, for He intends that we be conformed to the image of His Son. Romans 8, verse 29. So in spite of the challenges and difficulties of the transformation process, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18 Such transformation is not just for the few. It is for everyone who really wants it, even the worst of people, as I once was. History is full of examples of notorious sinners who have been transformed by Jesus Christ. Think of the Apostle Paul, a violent religious extremist, Augustine, a pagan philosopher and sex addict, Francis of Assisi, a rich playboy. More recently, C.S. Lewis was a convinced atheist and Chuck Colson was a ruthless political operative. It is also for ordinary people who have not been saved, including church people, who make professions of faith and believe they are Christians, but whose lives have never changed. A major reason throughout history why people don't believe Christian faith changes people in a positive way. If you long for this, if you really want to become more like Jesus, cry out to God with a sincere heart. He will help you. The first step for everyone is repentance and faith. That is, to recognize and turn from your sins to Jesus Christ and trust Him as your Savior and Lord. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 He is the only way to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6 If you have been born again, your next step is clear. With gratitude to God for His grace and love, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Romans 12, verse 1. 
This means giving yourself to him wholeheartedly, body and soul, holding back nothing. It is a surrender to God's love and a commitment to pleasing him through joyful obedience to his will. This launches the process of transformation, and you will need to reaffirm it daily. The process moves forward as we take the necessary initiative. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Romans 12, verse 2. This involves forsaking the values, attitudes, and behaviors of the fallen world and seeking the renewal of our minds through earnest engagement with the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. Our goal in doing so is to develop the mind of Christ, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, our Savior, Lord, and Great High Priest. And as we walk this path through life with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Thank you for listening. The C.S. Lewis Institute endeavors to develop disciples who will articulate, defend, and live their faith in Christ in personal and public life. This takes the form of discipleship programs, area-wide conferences and seminars, pastor fellowships, and resources in print and on the web. For more information about the C.S. Lewis Institute or to support this ministry, please visit our website at www.cslewisinstitute.org.